Welcome to Infinite Possibilities, Rise from the Ashes of Your Past, a show where emotional health and resiliency are the keys to moving through all that stuff from your past that's holding you back in your life, business, and relationships, and hijacking the success you desire. Listen in and feel empowered to step into all of your possibilities. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to this episode, you guys. I am, oh my gosh, incredibly excited with my guest today, and I'll, I'll share who she is in just a moment, and that's because it's on one of my favorite topics, cellular memory and cellular healing. It's like, wait, what? What is that? We've been talking about emotions for weeks now. We've been talking about this adulting roller coaster that we're on with these emotional pieces that sometimes stop us and hold us back and kind of trap us and hijack us into living in the past and not really staying present in our now, not really being able to step into that power for our future. And we can explore these emotional pieces all day long, but it really, really goes much deeper than that. So I am super incredibly excited to introduce to you someone that I recently actually just met, but you know how when you meet someone and you just click and you just know that there is this deeper purpose and this deeper reason that you've connected. Well, this is a person like that for me. And I am proud to introduce to you Sherry Anshara, who is an international best-selling author, professional speaker, former radio host of Conscious Healing, and contributing writer to national and international publications on the subject of the Anshara method of accelerated healing and abundance and overall wellness. Sherry utilizes her experience and expertise as a medical intuitive and success coach as the foundation for her groundbreaking work with cellular memory, which she calls the Anshara method. Sherry guides you to heal at the cellular level so you can enjoy health, wellness, and abundance in every area of your life. I am so proud to welcome you, Sherry, and so honored that you're here. Thank you for being here. How are you? Great, Susan. And actually, I'm totally honored to be on your show. The minute that we met, which isn't in person yet, that the connection was so strong. I, I am like blown away, excited, thrilled, and honored to be here. Yes, me too. I, I just love when those synergistic things happen because, you know, these are signs from our soul. And we can get stuck and be so caught up in our mind and our head and our experiences and this humanness. But what I love more than anything is being able to then integrate because I, I always say that we are, of course, this you know human being having spiritual experiences, but we are also this spiritual being having human experiences. And on this show, we've talked a lot about the fact that that's the tough part. And so what I love about what you're doing, and I want, I want to get into all of that here in just a moment, is that you help to really teach people how to tap into that deeper place from the very core, right, the cellular level that I think is so incredibly empowering. So 
as a medical intuitive and an intuitive business coach, I would love before we get into your story to really kind of set the stage and find out exactly what is cellular healing? Well, cellular healing is actually making a connection. You know, like you and I made a connection. You know that there is a resonance there. You know there is this experience of connection, correct? Mm -hmm. And though you're outside of me, that connection, you just feel it really strong. And, And if you look through your entire life, there are people that have come into your life and you have a connection. Sometimes they come and sometimes they leave. Sometimes they come back and sometimes they stay. But what happens in the body, these cellular experiences are recorded and mm. they stay. And the body is the intelligence and intellect, but the brain forgets. The brain files it away and we're only using half the brain. So when people and say I'm half out of my mind, I say, of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) So part of connecting to the cellular is I have, you know, various steps. And one is that we connect the left brain to right brain, which is the creative brain. And then when we get out of our head, that's the emotional body. That's the emotional. And the emotions affect, effect, and infect us. Mm, Love that don't know that we have these infections, which is in fact at the ion or cellular level. So at the very core is this beautiful, clear cellular memory that was affected by taking the next step to cellular memorization. And the memorizations I call the belief systems, not judging it, but the BS. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So when I had my traumatic injury on my third near-death experience, I'm like the In-N-Out Burger girl. I, I, you know, they said you had to do this or you couldn't do this or you'll never do this. And so I'm contemplating with my body, not my computer brain, honestly. And I noticed, you know, if you cut yourself, you don't have to think about it. Yes, you could put, you know, a disinfectant or antibiotic on it. But if you didn't have that, the body would heal itself, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I talk about that all the time through my career and in my life in general, when people are like, wow, you believe in some of that. We're going to use this term here because this is what a lot of people kind of understand, even though this is not a term that I like. They're like, oh, you're kind of, you know, you believe in that woo-woo stuff. And I'm like, look, our body has the innate capacity to heal itself. Do you ever, ever have to look at a cut on your hand that just happened and instruct your brain to go send white blood cells and red blood cells and all the processes that happen for that cut to heal, for that skin to start to be regrown, for the blood to stop, you know, even if it's lightly bleeding, for it to stop. Do you have to instruct your body? And they're like, no. So then if you are born with the innate capacity of a very, very intelligent body that can heal itself and take care of all these processes without being instructed to do so by your mind, then why would you think that your body is not as capable of handling all of these other pieces that aren't part of the survival process of the physical body? And this is what excites me about cellular memory and and the work that has been you know, being done in this arena 
for a long time, but not as in depth. And it sounds like you've really tapped in with the Anshara method to be able to hone that down to a process for people. So I, I would love to to hear then more about kind of these differences in this kind of cellular memory, cellular memorization, and how those limited beliefs, you know, of that duality, right, that really kind of influence your life? Well, Susan, I love that you're asking that, because this is what I noticed. If someone is just allowing their body and they're, and they're pretty healthy, the body heals itself, correct? The, the cut. Yeah. So there's emotional attachments to it. Mm -hmm. There's there's usually a scar, you know, like I got beat up by this person or I was in this tragic accident. I use the word tragedy and there's a scar. Well, the emotionality actually creates scarring through the cellular memorization of the issues in the tissues and it gets bigger and bigger and it overrides the clear memory. And when I started writing about cellular memory in 1991, how do you suppose that was received? Oh, yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> in that case, you know, it, it just, they didn't get it. But I had a, a broken neck, a broken back, a smashed head, and a brain out of place. We didn't even know the brain was out of place from this near-death experience. So a few years later, I was actually studied at the University of Arizona for a week as a lab rat. It was one of the most fun experiences. Oh, wow. And they said, oh, my God, you're a genius. And I, and I start laughing. I go, yeah, you guys are stupid because my brain's <laughs> out of place. And they burst out laughing. They didn't take it as an offense. Yeah. I said, and I said, so that is really how I healed this. So I had to look at what were the emotional components where I would be the in and out burger woman, you know, in and out, in and out. Mm -hmm. So some of them have, you know, in and out marriages or in and out experiences or jobs or anything. This is not wrong. But one of the first things that we begin to address in the Anshara method is that you cannot change the unchangeable past. And so I each even teach about what time is time. So if you take the word time and split it in half, it says time me. If you turn it around like in duality, it spells emit. So how you emit your energy. So what I discovered in my own experience to make it, you know, make sense, because the things that I was told didn't make sense that you this way you'll be crippled you can't do this you can't do that it was always the knots not's do the not's emotionally make knot's could that be a tumor cancer depression anxiety there was a relationship so knowing at my deepest knowing i can't change the unchangeable past and it's one second ago but my future is one second from now and one of the things that i discovered is what the now was because the brain doesn't know what time it is so you know in your work when there's an outside experience that is similar because i teach profiles behaviors and roles so if there is a, a profile out there so i'll give an example i married my mother i had no idea when i married this guy <laughs> Checking them, but they were like two peas in a pod. And years after, I thought, geez, it's too bad they didn't get married. They would have just fit. All right. <laughs> and, and so when these emotions get triggered, 
the brain just takes over and the body has to go, oh crap, now I have to go through this again. So first addressing that we can't change the past, it's unchangeable. The other is, this is my favorite step in the Unchar process, it's called NEO, non-emotional observer. Yes. This is the best one. I was working with this gal, we've actually become best friends, and she called me one day and she goes, I think I got it, Sherry. I go, what? She said, oh, I observed everybody going, well, that person's an idiot, or I observed this person as a control freak, and she said, I really believe you're talking about me, right? I go, yeah, <laughs> you have to observe <laughs> your own self. Well, and that's, I think, a very critical piece because if we can become the observer in, in all areas of our life without the attachment to the stories, without the attachment to the context, to the labeling, to the experiences, and to all the associated physical feelings that we feel and in the emotional body and all of the things that we potentially even feel kind of spiritually about this set of experiences, if we can step back and, and be that observer without that emotional attachment, it offers us up so much more of an ability to then be able to kind of get to those roots. And so do you believe that you can get to the root or cause of a physical or emotional issue? Absolutely. And in the method, we can do that within 10 minutes or less. Honest. Wow, that's cool. And it doesn't mean you have a solution. So this is what I found with a lot of things outside of us is they, they're supposed to be a solution, but it doesn't happen. And that's why we repeat in the duality figure eight chain of do over, do over, do over. But when we begin to have a resolution it's, I call it the Buddha or the aha. Now I have the information in, I teach wordology is your biology. So in form at my ion level in that 10 minutes or less, now I know where it started. So when people come and say, I've been diagnosed with this, 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 and this, I say, I know, but when did it start? And they'll say, Sherry, what are you talking about? Let's find out when it started. And it could be as early as the womb. It could be at six. It could be whatever. So when we get triggered, the computer left brain doesn't know what time it is. It just knows it's going to react, act one, scene two, act 12, whatever. But as Neo now, you can say, wait a minute, what are the facts? You know, not the emotionality, not the, uh, this is conjecture. What are the facts? And the other line is that everybody, myself, parents, we did the best and worst we could with what we knew and didn't know. And mostly it's what we didn't know. See, this is what I love and why I think there was such a synergy between you and I is that you and I and many others are teaching so many of the quote unquote exact same things, but we're all approaching it from these beautiful different perspectives and angles that are necessary because look, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. And, you know, I don't think there would be a singular human being on this planet who could have the time, the energy, and the, well, really time, right? Throughout a physical life anyway to be able to handle all seven and a half billion people or even a fraction of that. 
And so I think that the beauty of this and what has always excited me, I remember reading a book by Dr. Deepak Chopra. The book was actually titled Quantum Healing. And he talked in the book about cellular memory. And that was the first time I had ever experienced that word. And I had really no clue as to what cellular memory went. I had this very weird visual in my head, like it was, you know, the cartoons where you have the little bubble, the talk bubble, and in the talk bubble is their thought. I'm imagining that there's like this cell that has this little flash of a, a visual memory clip, like on a movie screen right inside of it, and full well knowing that that wasn't the case. But I could not understand kind of the scope of that. And this was, you know, you, you said that you started this, well, maybe not started this, but you wrote, you said the first book in 1991, right? Yes, I, I started it in 1991, but no one would publish it. No one, because there was no category right. for consciousness. Right, right. And and so like Deepak Chopra had had really become this kind of uh, rebel to some degree by bringing some of these concepts to light back in the 70s and the 80s, but it was still so far out there that I think that so many people were afraid of it, which is terribly sad because, you know, if they had published your work at the level of somebody like him way back then, can you imagine, you know, where we'd be now? So I, I want to hear more about this, but I, I don't want to skip over the fact of how you kind of got here. I would love to hear what kind of went on for you that got you to this place. Well, actually, that third near-death experience, but I really, Susan, had the first one when I was three. I was very intuitive, but I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was three years old. And so I would say things to my mother and my sister, because she was like my my real mom, though she didn't birth me, and they would be perplexed. And I would tell them about the lights around people. I would tell them things I would see. I would tell them about happenings. And because I was raised by three teenagers, I had an incredible vocabulary. And so I would get so frustrated with people. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so I was living a double life, which is duality, like many of us do, all of us do. We have that inside life going on and we have the outside. Now, one of the things that would disturb me through all of this is I was told that as a child that we were born to die. This was a religious program and I was just six. And so I raised my hand and said, why show up and got into trouble? <laughs> mm. Because I was always observing, but I didn't know it. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. So when I had the big near-death experience in 1991, I was very successful. I was a very successful businesswoman. I had flown my own airplane. I had even been sued for alimony, which I, I think is funny. Now, it wasn't at the time. But there were parts in, I was in the corporate world. I became VP of marketing of a national company without a college degree. I, there was so much going on and I left with nothing. And this is not tragic and ended up buying myself a beautiful, beautiful home 
with a 15-year mortgage. How many people have a 15-year mortgage in the 80s? Right. Yeah, for sure. So I was very motivated, yet inside, deep inside at that cellular core, there was something brewing. So when I created this near-death experience, I was 15 feet underwater, upside down in the Connecticut River. Oh, my. And I met these most incredible, what I call the 12 wise guys. You know, it was Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to call them the 12 wise guys. And that experience, I cannot tell you the information that started falling out of me. And then the next thing you know, I'm back up, I'm out of the water. I can't even swim. Honest to God, I have a pool in Arizona and I still don't know how to swim. I had a pool in Michigan and I still don't know how to swim. Oh. So water is not my best thing, you know. Yeah. Bubbles, maybe. But anyway, so in that experience, now everything starts going away. Everything, every, every penny, every money, everything. But as all of this was going away, and I created being homeless in the best way you can even imagine, this woman took me into her beautiful home and cared for me for a year. Well, as I began to heal my body by having my time out that I created. Now, I'm not telling anybody to do it this dramatically. Honest to God, when I leave this planet, there better be Academy Award and Emmy and even for the commercial breaks. I better have them waiting for me. Anyway, (laughs) as I went through this and I started writing this book, I was writing my experiences. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And the fabulous information came up. And I recognized it was a continuum. I recognized that in this continuum that we not only did fabulous lives, whether we're rich, poor, it didn't matter, but there were repeated patterns. And there was repeated behavior and there were repeated profiles. So as Neo, the non-emotional observer, I started looking at things like, what is fear? What is fear? And if someone told me it was false evidence appearing real, I was going to hit them. Because unless I'm going to put someone up for murder, I said, no, it can't be that. And one day, this like it was like this aha moment. I swear I heard music. Ah! And I recognized that fear is simply lack of information. And when we get the information, cellular memory, there is something physical and emotional and mental, spiritual, even financial. I'm not talking about money, but the cost to us. It like it all started coming together. It started to gel. Wow. I did this because of this. And we called it a fear. Then I honed down three fears on this planet that every fear on this planet came into these three things. It was called self-judgment, self-lack, not good enough, not deserving, can't do it, not worthy, and self-takeaway. So how many people, and I'm like researching and looking around, and this is like when we didn't really have like Wikipedia and all that stuff. Right. I would look at like famous people. They would have it all in our idea as the public, correct? They had their homes, they had their money, And yet they would commit suicide or they would do a drug overdose or they'd have an accident 
or they would cripple themselves. And I thought there has to be something in that memorization that has components that create the synergy, the energy, the projection. And then I noticed that people said, well, life's a reflection of you. And I thought, I look in the mirror and I walk away. I'm not there anymore. That life is a projection. It has to have mass. It has to have physicality. So the projection for me, this is way back when, when I love flying, I bought an airplane. Well, people said, how did you do that? How do you buy a car? How do you buy a house? Same thing. Put so much down, you get a payment, you do it. It's because that's what I loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that was a projection, not a reflection, or I couldn't be flying it. However, some of the dysfunctional relationships were also reflections of me. So I couldn't blame an ex, whether it was a husband or a boyfriend or a friend or a girlfriend or someone in the corporate world. And I discovered that what I didn't like about them was about moi. So I thank that person for coming into my life to show me, you know what? I've got to clear this in my cellular memorization. Why would I blame it on you? Because blame would be my be lame game. And I'm not going to get crippled about judging somebody when it was all about me. And it was like this stuff came flying out of my body. I kid, I kid you not. It was like, whoa, I'm having a release. And sometimes it would be toxic smelling. And that's the toxins coming out from that emotionality. So how do you... How do you work with someone at this cellular memory and memorization level? Take me through when you you work with someone and you you know are helping them get to the root or the cause of this physical or emotional issue. How how do you how do you do that? Okay, so 20% of my clients I've never met. I do them over the phone. And I, I prefer the phone than Zoom unless because I don't like them to be distracted. But when they come to me physically, what I do is we get on what we call a healing table, whatever. And I can see it even if they're standing up and I can see it over the phone. But when they're here in person, I will have them lay down and I will show them. I've actually, Susan, created graphs. So the shoulder problems, the frozen shoulders, the shoulders emotionally are connected to the knees. I actually teach this. I have graphics. Mm -hmm. The throat is the feet. And this is what I noticed over the years. When, like little kids, when a person spoke their truth, their feet moved. It was just like the body was having like, woohoo, when they spoke their truth. Not what was true, the belief systems. And the, the jaws are the hips. And if you don't believe I use this, what I go to my dentist, I had, to, this is the practicality. That's why I call my courses Intuitive Powers, practical applications. If it doesn't have a practical application to me, I'm not doing it. Whether I'm meditating, meditating, or whatever, I am the practical girl. You can't change the what till you get to the why. Why do we do that? And so the jaws are the hips. So I had to have a cap replaced that was like so old, honest to God, it was older than Sid. And so I'm laying, you know, in the dentist chair and I bring my left leg up and I push it out and I push it out and I bring my right leg and I push it out. Cause what I'm doing is expanding my hip and my dentist said, what are you doing? I said, the jaws are the hips. And she goes, every time you opened your hip, your jaw opened. I said, yeah. <laughs> 
that's what I teach pregnant women or delivery because I've been in delivery rooms. And so the ankles and wrist represent support. What is carpal tunnel? And they cut the nerves. I could scream. It's a retraction of the heart because your hands are extensions of the heart. And so I noticed that when people said, you know, they have back problems, you know, like they're stooped over. And so our first chakra in the old seven chakra systems is our belief systems. And I said, well, if you have your crown up your patootie, then we have to get your head out of you nowhere and stand up straight. It's okay. You can swear if you, if, if that's a, a comfortable for you or a preference for you, you are more than welcome to swear on this show because one of the things that I have promised my listeners from day one, and it will remain true throughout the life of the show, is that we keep it real here because this is about real life, real world issues that we face and about stepping into our potential and, and possibility with purpose and passion. Yes. So I just tell them what we're doing is taking your head out of your ass. <laughs> Right. Yes. Your belief yes. systems and believe in yourself. And so um, elbow issues are really protection of the heart because we're all energy. Okay. So this is the other aspect of it besides this Neo is that energy is simply a byproduct. That's all it is. It's a byproduct of either consciousness or belief systems. When it's a byproduct of belief systems, and here's one. Your family has it, you've got it. Or you you can't eat this or you can't do this. Now, I'm not talking about being conscious because I'm very conscious about what I put in my body. But, and it's not even necessarily about that's not good for you or whatever, but what resonates. So this was the other key that I discovered that it wasn't frequency and vibration, it's resonance. That frequency and vibration are just like energy. They're byproducts. That's all they are. So if we resonate to being a victim, we will attract victimizers because that's the resonance. And then the vibration goes out. And in quantum physics, Michio Keku, he talks about the string. They're bands. And as an intuitive, one of the things that I can see are the bands. And actually, and in, in, in metaphysics, they talk about the light body. Susan, I feel lighter. Well, I just had a meeting Saturday with an engineer scientist who had heard about me, came for sessions, and our idea is to measure that because there is a weight to energy because when people release, they feel lighter. And there is a component and the energy that comes out of their bodies when I'm working with them physically or even over the phone, they'll hear a pop, it'll go pop. And that is the physical release that people can't see. So when we leave, there's 13 grams that they can't measure. But that's us. It's all the experiences. And we take it to another timeline or another timeline or another timeline. So when I am working with someone, we first look at the structure. I don't even touch them. It's called an assessment. We look at the structure of their body and their legs will be, you know, sticking out or their, or their neck, you know, head is like on the left side of the body or the right side of the body. And they might never have had an injury, but it's how the body is forced to process through the computer brain. I have a technique that I teach them. This is business people too. Anybody, children get it. Oh my God, they're so smart. Of how oh, yeah. brain right brain. It takes me like five minutes to teach them that, and they'll go. This makes a difference. 
And I, I was going to a business meeting early one morning and I had to be there like early. I'm not the best early morning person. So I'm sitting in my car using my own technique, integrating left brain, right brain, so I can be fully present in the meeting. And I went in and I had the best time. And people will say, wow, you're, they don't tell me I'm fully present, but they'll say, I, I know that you hear me. I'm listening. That is another part of it, is teaching them how to listen to their body. Because the computer heary, heary brains are just like whatever, but the body, the heart listens. And so when they get through this assessment of where their body is, I've had people come that had scoliosis and after two or three sessions, the scoliosis is gone. Um, that, that they've had cancer and people have come out of comas because the body is conscious. It's the consciousness. The computer brain bought into the programs because that's its job. We're only using half the brain. So there is a physicality to all of who we are. It doesn't matter if we leave this planet. We're still physical. That's what you call hauntings. I clear properties all the time and sit down and talk with them, just like I'm talking to you, but they're right there. And I'm going, okay, you know what, you know, what's the deal? But we make all this fear and all this mystery. I swear to you, I am the practical girl. I love mystery stories, but I would rather resolve it to have the solution. Oh, sure. And I think that that's what, you know, most people want. I mean, <laughs> take a look at marketing, right? This is the predominant thing that marketing is founded upon is take a look at what the problem is. Do you have a solution? And then market that solution. And that's exactly what people want. And I think the disillusionment through, I'd say the last 20 years or less has really come about because people are looking for that deeper kind of ability to solve that, that they don't realize they have the power to do. And they're looking outwardly for those answers. And if they were to kind of, you know, be guided inwardly to understand through various different processes and various different kind of methodologies, they would absolutely be able to step into that power for themselves and feel like, a real master in their life with being able to handle whatever kind of comes up. So a curious question, do you believe that emotions, which, you know, I know from this deeper level, there are these probably ideologies that you have because you work at this deeper level on a cellular basis, that that word emotions may even carry a whole other meaning for you and your work specifically, but do you believe for the lay person overall, you know, who doesn't understand cellular memory, who may not, who may not even be open to some degree because they may go, whoa, that sounds, woo, that sounds too out there for me. In your experience, do you believe emotions can make you sick? And second part of the question, how would you work with someone if they didn't come to you with a physical problem, but they came to you with a, a deep emotional issue. Okay, this is how I, this is what I teach. Emotions are the basis for every disease on this planet. Every disease are the emotional attachments to some sort of belief system that forced us into something that really isn't ours. Now, there is a significant difference 
between emotions and feelings. Now, I right. say something here, and I'm going to sound completely judgmental. I swear to you, I am not. The buzzword now is emotional intelligence. I would swear on my own life, there, there is zero intelligence in emotions. It's an oxymoron, moron being the key. It is feeling. In all the white papers that I have read or looked or researched, they transpose emotions and feelings. That's not the same resonance. So when I'm working with my clients, I feel so I cannot thinky-thinky. When you feel, you're having a full body experience. When you are emotioning, you're up in your head and you're going through all of the lists, you know, six years old, 12 years old. And the emotional attachments are the string theory. Those are the bands. And that sends out the information. So for instance, say someone is in a meat market on a Friday night and they have a victim program running unconsciously. So the brain is the subconscious. So I, I say to my clients, your, your body is like your house. And the basement, the garage, the attic, your closet has to be cleaned out. That's your subconscious. You know it's there and it irritates you. But the unconscious is the land. It's the ground upon which you are based, the foundation. That is the cellular memory. But we don't know it. And so when I worked with my clients, they discern now the difference. It is so powerful and powerful filled that they recognize when they get emotional, they get sick or they go down the tube or they go a fight or they, whatever it is, that is the emotional body. So I've actually defined the diseases when people fill out an intake sheet for me, whether it's ADD or cancer or depression or anxiety or PTSD, I know exactly where to begin with them in the body. I don't tell them, but I guide them so they get it. Sure. I remember about, oh, 15 years ago or so, I came upon a work that is based in cellular memory and, and, and healing from someone that had healed themselves from a basketball-sized tumor that was bleeding. And I recognized, I first got into the work because I wanted to do some of my own continued healing on deeper levels. And then I saw the clinical value, right? And so what was interesting about this is that this was kind of the first experience that I had with cellular memory and kind of cellular healing on this level, because although I'd heard about it many years prior, briefly, super briefly, and just Chopra's work in that one book, right? I mean, my God, look at how much how much is needed on this planet and how important this work is. And I don't know how many books are out there now, other than some of what you may have written. And, you know, I'll talk about that, you know, in a bit, but at that time, that was the only time I had ever heard of it. And then I didn't hear any more about it until all these years later. And I come across this, this author who had this experience and had developed these sets of processes and what was interesting is that when I started going through some of that process work myself, I found these pieces of these memories that were attached to 
various different experiences that I had had that my mind had created all the emotional labels out of. And that's why I love what you said. You're one of the few people that I have met that also talks about the huge difference between emotions and feelings. So many people interchange those words and they get caught up in, in that and they cannot seem to find their way out. When they understand the power of that, like you said, it's very empowering, it's powerful, it's power-filled. And again, my listeners, this is why Sherry and I were, were so synergistically connected from day one, because we're both very, uh, she called it, uh, what did you call it? The wordology of biology? Yeah, wordology is right. our biology. Is our biology, right. And we're both big on words and language in that way because that makes all the difference in the world. And I know that when I went through some of these processing pieces and I saw these bits of these memories and these layers that were still kind of held in my body, the release that happened when we dove into that place was so incredibly freeing. And the difference in how we can then move through our world from that point forward is like night and day. So since you have this understanding as a medical intuitive as well, I'm not a medical intuitive, but so as well, meaning, you know, for you, for yourself, in your work, because you have this understanding of these core causes, right? Like somebody comes to you, whether it's a physical issue or or an emotional issue, and they kind of are able to, you know, relay enough to you, even if they don't need to relay that much, that you kind of get already, you know where to start. Do you ever find that you come up against areas within someone's body and beingness that they're just so holding on to the story of it and the emotionality of it that they really don't allow themselves to dive into the kind of that cellular memory and cellular memorization piece that would give them the freedom? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Especially, and I'll tell you, one of the areas is a sexual abuse called sexual abuse. And when people say, you know, when I say I've heard everything, honestly, I have. I, I This is not being a smart ass, really. I'm not like, I'm so smart. No, this is for, I've been doing this for 28 years. Yeah. And so when something comes up and they're afraid to say it, I will say, can I give you a prompt? Only with your permission, can I give you a prompt? And they'll say, okay. And I'll say, what happened at 11? And they'll say, nothing. I'll say, okay, we move on. However, the seed is planted. They planted their own seed. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. And so they might call me a week later or come back and say, you know what? Something did happen. I've never been able to speak about it. And this is one of the things that my clients have told me that I I cannot tell you how heartfelt it is for me, is though I talk a lot. They say you're the first person that ever listened to me. Right? Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. It it's that makes me silly, you know, because I hear that more and more and more from people, right? All over the place. How this and, and I'm not talking like personally necessarily clients of my own, 
just general talk even, how the doctor didn't listen to me, my spouse didn't listen to me, my kids never listened to me, or something even more kind of saddening to me is that you go into a store, the person has their name tag on, you call them by their name, and they dead stop, look at you and act like, well, even say straight out that no one has ever said that before. No one has ever used their name. And I think the disconnect that happens with people feeling so unheard, so not seen in that way, I think also creates a lot more of their inability to kind of move through those physical and emotional issues, whether they're from their past or the present, that are kind of stopping them and holding them back. And so to hear you say that is, you know, we're doing important work here, Sherry. So many of us right now are really stepping up and out and saying the world needs to hear and understand how to move through these pieces. And what we've done on this show is really start a movement of emotional health and resiliency, right? That people need to feel like they can take control and take their power back from wherever they feel they've given it away, or even if they feel they didn't give it away and it was taken away, they need to understand that they can, you know, step in that place. And so when you find that these people have come to you and said that, wow, you're the first person that's ever really listened to me, how do you then kind of help them dig even deeper because they're already feeling potentially so vulnerable or emotional at that point just by the fact that you listened? Well, here is the, here are some facts. Vulnerability, we've been taught, is our weakness. It is not. Vulnerability is our strength. That's what it is. Vulnerability is our strength. Fragility is our weakness. And by listening, something happens. So when someone comes to me, Susan, and says, I'm ready, you know what I tell them? No, you're not. What? No, you're not ready. Ready for what? You must be willing. When you are willing, you give yourself permission that no matter what happens, you know that you're going to make it happen for yourself. And I'm here to listen and to support you. And we must stick to the facts through the feeling. It makes such a difference. And you know what you just said, I just have to honor you and thank you because we're in a mess on this planet right now. You know it. We're actually in a fucking mess. Yes, we are. And it, and it doesn't have to be that way. And this has nothing to do with it, but everything. And I'm always posting things on, on Facebook. This is a for instance of how we perpetuate division. So th there, there have been a couple of women. One was a scientist, one was a pilot, one was whatever. And it said, black woman. So I wrote, are you people blind? I'm not talking about blind. Why do you have to tell me in this picture that this woman is black? Right. I can't see that. <laughs> but are you crazy? I actually have a wonderful friend on the other side of the country, and she's been married to this man, and they have beautiful children. 
in one day because she's used to defending without even knowing it. She said, did you know my husband's black? I said, you're kidding. When did you notice? (laughs) (laughs) Because I love humor. And she started laughing. I said, what? I don't care. I mean, I have clients from all colors, ages, ranges, whatever. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And so, see, because we're seeing, I call it when we start using that third eye, when we start realizing with real eyes how we've been manipulated. So here's the Sherryism. Perception, there's no facts. Perception is the reception and deception of our conception. So we are conceiving these duality belief systems based on somebody else's idea who didn't have the fucking facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. And I'm going, so when we stick to the facts and we get a perspective, then we know that our life is a projection. So here I am, because, you know, I, I do intuitive business coaching. I am on LinkedIn and this lady messages me. This is on LinkedIn. That's business. Isn't that business? Yeah, I, I, I think it's shifting now, to be honest with you, Sherry. I mean, you know, I hear all these people talk about LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. And I'm like, well, that's like for resumes and finding jobs and, you know, connecting for a business network. And I have understood, oh, my God, how LinkedIn has now become like the the more professional Facebook. And I'm like, wait, what? People are sharing stories and memes and having groups. And I'm like, what? So yeah, I'm the wrong person to talk to about that, but it's pretty fascinating. So anyway. Okay, so the reason that I'm telling you this is I go on LinkedIn and this lady messaged me. I don't know who she is. She said, now here, I'm going to put a plug in, but this is what was so hilarious about LinkedIn. Now it could have been anything else. But she said, I bought your book. I don't know her from Adam. I don't know how she even found me. She said, you wrote that book for me. (laughs) And I said, gee, would you ever consider doing a testimonial on, on Amazon? She said, yes. She said, but let me get through it. She said that she was devouring it. She said, I know you wrote that book for me. Now, I love that you are, and I didn't mention this in the beginning because I wanted to kind of bring it up at the end. You're an author of five books already, which is impressive. Congratulations and kudos to you. Not easy things to do. And you're currently writing your sixth book. And so what what have been, they could be all different, but really briefly, like what are the main kind of topics and areas of the books, just to give a flavor to the, to the listeners so that if they're interested in wanting to kind of learn all that you've written, obviously, you know, we're going to give out your website and things like that at the end. But I, I really want the listeners to understand the depth of what you've written and who you are. So it's not just in this kind of singular focus, right? Because we can always get a little singularly focused. And I, w- I want to broaden that perspective because you said your perception is the reception per- is, is the, well, the perception is what is the reception. Oh, reception. Yes. Of the deception of our conception. Right. Yes. I love that. Okay. So go so ahead. So, what, what? so I would say the main theme is to be yourself. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Well, actually, I do. You know how when people, I sometimes diverge a little, but that's part of the fun of the show because this is reality and this is a real show, right? We talk real. So how do you help people? I was going to diverge on a track and I, I don't know, I lost my train, so it's no big deal. But how do you help people learn to really be themselves when they get so caught up in these things? How through your books do you feel that you've been able to kind of help them kind of go to that place? Well, when I write, I'm actually, I'm writing like a conversation. Mm. It's really a conversation. So I've developed different ways, like private sessions or VIP days or the courses, whatever it takes that that person requires, because one of my favorite words is flexibility. We must be flexible with ourselves. Duality is rigid and hard. You either are this way or that way. We are really multidimensional beings. And we came to have multidimensional experiences. And when people see, you can know something and understand it. So what? Knowing and understanding is bullshit. You know why? And, and this is how I explain it. I, I'm a pilot. I love it. I'm not current. You know an airplane flies, Susan. Can you fly an airplane because you know? No, you have to experience it. Yes. And, and you can understand it. But how do you change the behavior in the action? Action is acting from your ion level. And it's called comprehension. When we comprehend something, you cannot be affected, affected, or infected. Right. But how how do you help? Oh, I know what I was going to say. See, see, everybody, this is where my cheese slid off my cracker because, you know, sometimes you have this train of thought and then all of a sudden you lose the train of thought and then the train of thought comes back and then it doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> Before when I interrupted you, Sherry, and I, I, I work really hard to not interrupt people. And so I love it when people say, I don't mean to interrupt you. You fucking do mean to interrupt people because if you didn't mean to interrupt people, you wouldn't interrupt people. Or you know how people say, do you mind if I bother you? Or I don't mean to bother you. Well, no, you do mean to bother somebody. If you're going up to somebody and you are tapping them on the shoulder and they, and you say to them, Hey, I don't mean to bother you. Well, that's kind of an untruth right there because the fact is you have a thought, you act on that thought, by wanting to go up and talk to somebody or by me, like, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, I do mean to interrupt you. It might be rude and I might not be being, I don't know, honoring in that moment with certain people or at certain times. So anyway, yeah, just a little side thing, because one of the things that I have made sure to do in, in all the episodes of this show is to help really give people these real world tips and strategies and little tidbits and tools. And in the moment, if something occurs, it's kind of like, boom, here we go, people. This is one of those instances. So although I don't like necessarily feeling like I'm interrupting you, I did mean to interrupt you, right? So, so when, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening with my brain today. People, I don't know what's happening with my brain today. Uh, Sherry and I are very connected. There is a tremendous amount of synergy between us. 
we have had lengthy conversations prior to us meeting today. And it's always been such a beautiful flow and a beautiful just kind of synergy that has happened. And so although Sherry has said to me, you don't have to apologize to me, I want to apologize to you as my listeners for feeling a little bit off today or something, right? You know, there's nothing particular on my mind. There's nothing particular going on in my physical body. And I'm just finding that my, as I like to say, my cheese has slid off my cracker multiple times. So anyway, where were we, Sherry? I apologize. No, please don't apologize. You know what? Maybe something that came out that you said or I said doesn't matter because we're so connected might be triggering something within you that requires to get out. And we don't have to name it. See, this is one of the things that I find difficult when people say that they're healing someone. I don't heal anybody. Is that we always have to explain something. We don't have to explain it, honestly. just is a happening. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. And I, and I want everybody to hear this really, really carefully, because I think sometimes when I know I've listened to other people speak before, whether on a podcast or at a seminar or a workshop, there's a tendency to look at that person or persons and think that they have all their shit together all the time. They have these answers They've been through these experiences and that's how they've come to this information that they're offering up or teaching. And that like, you know, like, wow, you know, I want to be like that someday when I grow up, which is all bullshit. And the truth is that we're all just people doing the best we can. We're all working through all of our shit at the same time. And the only difference between any of us, whether it's Sherry or I, or all of, you know, you out there is that we are a little more aware sometimes of what these issues are. And when we're not, it's okay. Like we don't have to label it. We don't have to explain. I know that I'd have clients through the years who would say things like, you know, I seem to care what those persons think of me. I seem to be worried about, you know, those people talking about me. And I would always liken it to, Let's say that you are this very, very, very overweight person, and you are in this restaurant, and you are enjoying your meal, and the waitress or waiter comes up to you and says, would you guys like dessert? And all of a sudden, you feel the need to have to justify and explain it and say, well, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm really kind of full, and I just ate all this wonderful food, but man, you guys make the really awesome apple pie, and I really want a piece. Uh, Yeah, okay, let me have a piece of apple pie. Do you honestly think that that waiter or waitress is going to change their thought? If they're going to have a thought or a judgment about you, they're going to change that thought because you explain. The truth is, own the fact that you want that piece of apple pie, because that waiter or waitress is going to think what they're going to think, regardless of what you say or do, And so the scenario would then be, would you like some dessert? You know what? Absolutely. I would love a piece of your apple pie. Thank you. There's there's a power and a freedom and a confidence that when you step into that place, you're then able to move through and begin to see. and, and, And it's funny that you said that because that's exactly what I just did, is I just explained 
how my my mind is being a little bit off or something today, right? We don't need to do that, people, right? None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. And Sherry and I are having this wonderful conversation and shit happens. (laughs) And I don't even need to explain it, but I did. So please be aware when you are listening, you are the same and you don't need to explain anything and you don't need to justify anything. And if you don't understand some of the things that are going on inside of your own, you know, physical mind, physical body or emotional body, that there are people like Sherry and people like me and so many thousands of other people out there who can help you and guide you through. So, so Sherry, I would love to know more about if people are resonating with you and they're fascinated by what you're doing, how would they get in touch with you to kind of learn more about you and maybe even, you know, speak with you? Well, let's see. My, my office number is 480-609-0874. 480-609-0874. And I'm in Arizona. I'm in Scottsdale. And I'm on Pacific Standard Time till November. <laughs> I always love when this time changes. And my website is my name, Sherry anshara.com. It's S-H-E-R-R-Y Anshara, A-N-S-H-A-R-A.com. And actually, I have um, an offer on there that you can get a free downloadable book, uh, ebook. It's called Getting Your Answers in 10 Minutes. And I also offer a free 10-minute, it's a complimentary session. And so I love, Susan, that you are so honest that you actually because we are all people and we have been taught to explain things we do it's 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 okay and so i just have to say i have a lot of sherryisms but if i could leave with one thing and this has assisted my clients from all ages and stages even kids that were bullied they got it and, and the adults around them didn't and this is my sherryism how I am treated is how I give people permission to treat me. Mm. Is that cool? Yeah, say that again. How I am treated is how I give people permission to treat me. And I loved what you said. So in my Safeway, there's a Starbucks. They all know me in there. I have my own sherry drink. This is just an example. Uh-huh. So that they know what I'm getting so we can talk. And they're mostly millennials that are in there or younger. And so when I go get my Starbucks, my Sherry, we don't have to talk about it. I have learned so much in this interaction. I walk in the door and people in the store go, hi, Sherry. And I know their names. There's, you know, like in Cheers, somebody knows my name. And when you address someone because they have a name tag or you get to know them, and I'm terrible. I'm so awful at remembering people's names. Faces, their issues and tissues, I got it. But I love that you do it, and that's what I like to do. I like to recognize and acknowledge someone by looking them in their face, eye to eye, in in a kind, loving way. And again, I like to commend you because things happen to us. Not every day is the same day. And so we have different experiences 
but our body is so smart, it knows what to do. So again, I, I just want to thank you for that, that you're, you're, you're real. That makes you real, not a duality reality. Because <laughs> yeah. you are you. I'm not your leader, but I support you to lead yourself. And that's right, what right. I love about what you're doing. Thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate that because I, I have always prided myself on, on feeling, you know, that I am pretty real and just down to earth and really vulnerable and raw. And like, I just don't have an issue with, you know, showing people who I am from the inside out and the outside in going, look, I, I get scared. I get nervous. The difference between me and you, and I don't mean you, Sherry, but me and you as, as people, not me, is that. I've learned to not attach to the story a little bit quicker. I've learned to kind of detach from all those experiences and to really dismantle the meanings that I had learned to give things. And one of the things that we've talked about on this show a lot is that these emotions are very illusionary and, and here's how they got put into place. And here's the difference of how our mind and our brain take in the world and process all of this. And, and if we really want to step into our infinite possibilities and move into that place of empoweredness and feeling powerful and not powerless, that what it takes is that willingness for you to decide to look in your own mirror and be real and vulnerable and raw to yourself and, and not be afraid of that because you are a beautiful beautiful divine being of love, a beautiful divine being of light, of purity, of inspiration, of tenderness, of absoluteness. And the truth of who you are is born from how you see the world and how you believe. And it, we've talked about beliefs already, right? So go back to that if that's still an issue for you. But how you believe and when you can step away from that, as Sherry so aptly put it, as the non-emotional observer, which is, you know, we need to be those observers, then you all of a sudden can stand in that place for yourself. And so why would we want to hide the little bloopers, the little errors, the little this, the little that? My God, this is what makes life fun. So Sherry, I, I I know you talked about the ebook that you're offering so generously to to the audience and how to receive that complimentary 10-minute session with you. But what would be one and thank you for that. That's very kind of very generous of you. And I hope many people take you up on that because this is such important and powerful work. If there was one piece of advice that you wanted to really offer up and kind of leave the audience with, what would that be? Trust your heart. Mm. Trust your heart because the matter of the heart is all that matters and it creates the matter outside of you. Mm. I love that. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for being here today. I'm, I'm so honored and we could speak for hours and hours and hours and hours, and maybe one day we'll come back on and we'll do something longer. But Let's for now, <laughs> I, that would be amazing, right? I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, me too. And that's what's so amazing is people 
like I said in the beginning, I think Sherry said it as well, or she said it, that we haven't met physically yet. And yet there was such a synergy. So it's like, how do you know there's a synergy? Cellular memory, but of a different kind, right? This parallel part of us that is already living in this nowness, right? So I'm excited to meet you in physical form too, very soon here with less than a week, simply because there is something then so deliciously yummy about meeting somebody in person and physically being able to feel on a very different level kind of that synergy and what you feel. And it goes the same way, people, that when you meet someone that you have an instantaneous kind of negative kind of reactionary response to, well, pay attention because as Sherry said, trusting your heart is the voice of your soul. And trusting your heart will allow you to tap into that place where you can feel that sense of empowerment. So if you like what you've heard today, please reach out to Sherry at sherryanshara.com and look at the show notes for any of the links for Sherry or for my website, which by now, you know, you, you know is susandesenzi.com. Please feel free to spread the love by rating, reviewing, or subscribing, and just sharing out what we're doing here, which is creating a real movement toward emotional health and resiliency so that each one of you can step into your infinite possibilities with purpose, passion, and power, living connected, conscious, and confident. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Infinite Possibilities, Rise from the Ashes of Your Past, where you're letting go, discovering who you are, and taking your life back. See the show notes for important links on today's show and go to the infinitelypossible.com for free resources, feedback, or to let Susan know what you'd like to see on the show.